Can we just agree right now in the name of Jesus Christ? Father, according to your connecting to your appointment that you established, we pray and agree together that you would reach to this man. Father, let your spirit in him be quickened tonight. We pray not only for healing and the destruction of the cancer that would be in his body, but the fullness of revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. The fullness of your will and work in him, with him, and through him for your glory. That that which you intend for his life would be fulfilled according to your purpose, O oh God. That we would play our part in it according to your design, Father. Let your design upon his life be realized. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. I believe we will continue to see these types of open doors. Open doors. The, the Spirit of the Lord is desiring to use us in this manner. And so I pray the Lord anoint our eyes that we recognize and our ears that we identify. This is an open door. God, what is my responsibility to this door? What is my how would you use me in relationship to the individual where you've opened this door? Amen. The Apostle Paul said at one place there set before him an open door. And there were many adversaries. That didn't keep him from identifying the door and stepping through it. The Lord let him know ahead. There will be those opposing you when you step through that door. Let the Lord lead. I'm reminded of John writing in Revelation of the Lord. And the Lord said, I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. Amen. I believe there are many instances like this that will continue to take place. God grant us a sensitivity to realize in that moment, Lord, you've opened this door. I'm not going to go pray about it and then hope it'll be there again in a week. I'm going to identify, Lord, you've opened it right now. I'll be prayerful now so I recognize it when it opens. Amen? Praise God. You can be seated again. I'm asking Sister Priscilla to take a moment. And, you know, a year ago, she started, almost a year ago, she started at Dave. Is that right? Time flies. She started at Davis High School teaching, and uh, when we learned this and prayed with her about that, uh, I had a young man immediately quicken to my mind. I told her his name, and the next time I saw her in service, she said, you're not going to believe who walked into my class. Then I think it was the next morning, and it was the same young man that I had mentioned to her. I don't know anybody in that school hardly, but I knew that young man. And it was a young man that had played football with Ethan when he was smaller. 
and they'd spent a lot of time together for a couple, three years. And uh, the Lord's still reaching to that young man. We were praying for him the other day and hadn't seen him in some time. My wife and I get out of our car in our driveway, and he happens to be walking down our street. I've never seen him walking down our street. Maybe he has, but the Lord is reaching. And so she started there a year ago, and um, I won't tell her story. She'll tell it as much as she wants to. But I remember some of the wrestling about, oh, I know maybe you said I'm maybe supposed to be here, but, man, I don't. But a new year, amen. Sister Priscilla, why don't you come and share with us that? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Um, so Elder talked about um, Paul speaking of an open door and how he's seen the open door, but he immediately felt the adversary. When I showed up at Davis High School last year, um, I felt the enemy, and I felt the influence of the world, and I felt the influence of the dark forces that are in the world on these kids, and um, it, was, it was difficult. It was, it's one of the most challenging things. It's probably the most challenging things that I've done, but it's also um, probably one of the most rewarding, which is really a struggle. Um, so last year, like I said, I can't even put into words everything that I felt, everything that I've observed, things that were said to me um, by these children. Um, but I knew, and I heard from God, and I heard from God very strongly, and sometimes it's not what we want to hear, that I was supposed to be there. And, um, and I, you know, I was like waiting. I was like, okay, God, you know, and, and he, he told me, you're supposed to be here. Don't try to get out of where I've placed you. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I can't share scripture with these kids. Um, and it was hard. And I know I'm, I'm going on and on. But um, so I was anticipating this year. And I, you know, I wasn't really expecting what I, re what I saw yesterday. And um, so in the morning, my husband and I, we have our devotions to the Lord. And I was praying. And then my husband shared a scripture with me. And I'm just going to share it. It's Second Kings chapter 6, and it's um, starting in verse 15, and Elisha the prophet, he um, had the enemy coming after him. He had made this king mad, and they sent an army against him, and um, I'm just going to start verse 15, Second Kings chapter 6. The servant of the man of God got up early and went out, and behold, there was an army with horses and chariots encircling the city, the enemy. Elisha's servant said to him, Oh no, my master, what are we to do? Elisha answered, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. So he had the power of God, heaven's armies behind him. And I was in class yesterday, and I'm just going about, I haven't even told these kids anything about me yet. Yesterday was pretty much the first day in class with them, and um, I'm having the kids come up with things that they have in common. So there's these two boys, and I walk past, and they're like, you know, hey, Miss Santos, do you go to church? And I was like, yes, I sure do. And they li they're like, so do I, we're church boys, you know? And I was like, that's great keep walking because I have to be really careful. It's very, very, very 
thick line, I guess I should say, that I can't even touch with, with this. And so I'm walking around the class talking to people, and I come back, and there's this kid, and we'll call him Johnny. We'll call, his name's Johnny, but not just we'll call him Johnny. But, um, and he tells me, he's like, um, you know, I'm a leader for this generation, somewhere along those lines, and, and I'm different. And he's not a shy kid. He's pretty out there. Like, he can talk. But he's like, I just don't know how to express myself. And I identified, he's talking about the Lord. He knows that he has a calling on his life. The Lord wants to use Johnny. He is very important to this generation. And, um, and that was third period right before my lunch. And, and the kids go, and the Lord quickened to my mind the scripture about Elisha and Second Kings. And he just opened my eyes, and he said, Priscilla, you know, you've seen the enemy, but you have me behind you and greater are those that are with us, that those are uh, that are opposed to us. And then as the day went on and I prayed, the Lord told me the enemy thinks that he's gained this territory. The enemy thinks that he's claimed these places, but they've always been God's. And God has always had a plan. And I'm grateful. I'm just so grateful. And it's, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us. It's the Lord. And the Lord is calling people. And his coming is upon us. And he is raising up these people that are going to be monumental and in his coming and bringing in the souls, preparing the bride. And I'm grateful and I'm praying and thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. I believe the Lord is raising up a work in that high school. I remember several times in the past where we've spent time praying around that school, being at that school, praying. I know God is doing a work there. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Elder Flowers, why don't you come? I heard a preacher one time. He was recounting kind of like what we were doing tonight, some of the recent ways that God had worked in his life. And really what he was doing in the recording I was listening to, it was ministering to my faith. And as I heard him say, I was praying for this and then this happened, or I was hoping I'd see this person and then I saw them, or all these things. And it, really what he was ministering was, faith and expectancy in what we believe, what we pray, what we proclaim. In one place, Jesus says after he, after he curses the fig tree, remember that, that passage of scripture, he wants something to eat, he goes to the fig tree and there's nothing on it, and he curses it. He says, you're never going to grow fruit again. And the disciples watch that thing shrivel down, and they, they're amazed. And they say to the Lord, how did that fig tree wither so quickly? And he says, boys, that was nothing, basically. He says, whatsoever you ask, greater things than these will you do, and whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, Scripture says you'll receive really what it's, we, we, we get that twisted and we think, okay, what do I want? If we're talking about receiving for a while, let's see, what do I want to receive? But really what he's saying is the things that you pray for and expect to happen, 
and believe for them to happen, they will happen. And again, my, as, I was, as I was listening to these sisters share today, it was quickened to me in my memory of that, that preacher. He was saying, I, it, was a, it was a young man, I believe he, he was uh, working in a, in a college ministry. And he had come across a certain individual multiple times in that ministry at the school, prayer meetings or whatever it was. And the Lord laid him on this heart. And he, he told his wife about it. He said, I'm praying for this young man because I know the Lord just put him on my heart. And I know it's been a while, maybe a year or so since we've seen him. And, uh, but I just, I feel like today, I feel like today I'm going to see him and I'm going to witness to him again. And it's going to be an opportunity. And uh, without getting into all the, all the logistics of it, where he was going and, and expecting to see this young man was clear across town from where his wife was and expected to be that day. And he's, but Lord, I'm praying. I know you're, ta- you're dealing with me about this young man, and I just can't wait to see what it's going to lead to. See, he was praying, believing. He was praying, expecting. And to make a long story short and to cut out as many details as I can, he didn't see the young man that day. But his wife said, you'll never believe it. I went to such and such place, and as soon as I shut my door at the parking lot, who was standing at the car next to me? It was that young man. And she went over and said, hey, how you doing? We haven't seen you in a long time. It's great to see you. You know, we'd love to see you again. And, And just that quickly, through prayer and through faith, believing, the Lord brought that young man back to a place that the Lord knew he needed to be. But where did that start? It started with the burden of the individual to pray for that person. And then his faith, even to go as far as to say to his wife, I'm praying for this young man. Just like Elder Hart said, I believe we're going to see more and more of these. Do you believe that? Is there faith believing? Is there prayer believing and expecting that? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we claim it right now in your name. God, we pray the working of your spirit, the leading God of your spirit right now. Jesus, you know each one of us, God, the plans that you have for us. God, help us to not be so busy about our day. Help us to not be so busy with the details and working of our day, God, that we overlook your calling, Lord, that we overlook the souls that you're longing to reach. God, let there be a burden today. Let there be a passion today. God, to see souls brought into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, do your work through us, God. Lord, I submit myself right now. I avail myself right now, God, to your plan, to your will, to your timing, Lord Jesus. God, I want to be a witness. God, I want to be a witness. I want to share of your goodness. I want to share of your love, God. I want to share the gospel, Lord Jesus. God, I know there are souls out there waiting to be reached, waiting to hear, Lord, what it is that I have to say to them. Jesus, in your name. 
Jesus, we're praying right now and we're believing, God. Like your word says, whatsoever things we ask. Jesus, we're asking right now in faith believing that you would put souls into our pathway. Jesus, as soon as this night, as soon as tomorrow, this week, Lord God. And I pray that our faith would be mixed, God, with your word, with your boldness, with your spirit to work through us, God. We claim it right now in Jesus' name. We claim it right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. John chapter 14. Elder Hart ministered from this passage, this chapter, on Sunday. And uh, as I was looking back through and praying over some things, the Lord took me here. I fully intended to talk about what the work of the Comforter meant to me. I don't know if we'll get there or not, but we're going to start John chapter 14 and verse 1. When I was a teenager, who was this? I think this was Elder Hart that we were talking with recently. Um, I have multiple cousins, friends, relatives, a brother that all attended Bible college in the same span of about two and three, four years of my formative years of my teenage years. So these were, these were friends and family that I looked up to. And they were all going to Bible school around this same time. Some had already been in it several years. But it was impossible to be with them without hearing some type of a scriptural debate or theological discussion. Not, not intended to put one up or one down, but let's just talk about the Bible. Let's just talk about God. Let's just talk about, and here I am, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, and I'm trying to listen, and I'm trying to grasp and gather what it is that they're saying, but they're using these five and six syllable words that I'd never even heard of before, and to me that meant, okay, they're smarter than me, and maybe one day I'll get there, and I still feel that way. They're smarter than me, and maybe one day I'll get there, but... One time, I remember asking one of those cousins, an older cousin of mine, okay, I'm born in, in um, a Pentecostal church, attending there from, from the time I was born. I wasn't born in a Pentecostal church. I was born in a hospital before you think my family's all crazy. No, I was born in a hospital, but I was at a, attending a Pentecostal church from day one. And uh, it's all that I'd ever known, and I had been explained, this is the truth we believe this and this about the Bible. We believe this about God. And um, I, just, I just believed it. Uh, I, my parents believe it. My church believes it. My, everybody I know says this is the truth, so this must be the truth. And then in, uh, about this time, about 16 years old, I remember saying to one of my older cousins, if Jesus, the, if we say that Jesus is God, and he was God in the flesh, and, you know, he's one, and there's one Lord, and all these. Why, and it was a personal question that I had at the time, why did he keep calling himself the Son? 
Why did he always refer to himself as the son? I am the son. And specifically, the son of man. Because this, I'm trying to compute this in my non-theological mind, my non-Bible-schooled mind, just a person that wants to learn more. It doesn't make sense. Why does he go out of his way to refer to himself as the son of man? I mean, I'm a son of man. You're a son of man. All these men are sons of men. He clearly wasn't because he was born of God, right? Born of a virgin. The virgin overshadowed Mary. And so where is the man part of that? Why does he always refer to himself as the son of man? And I think I got about a five or ten minute long lecture that I don't remember a word of today. (laughs) But thankfully, he was trying to help me. Um, But through the process of time, basically, I just had to learn there's always going to be questions that we as humans have when we come to the Word of God. And that's okay to have questions to not feel like you understand the, the book from front to back. And you can explain all of it at the drop of a hat, and you can answer any question at any time from any Old Testament or New Testament book, right? We don't have to know all that in detail at the drop of a hat. In fact, that's really why we have the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, He quickens to us His Word when we need it, as we need it, how we need it. I'm thankful for that. So here I am now, over 30 years old, and I'm a minister, and I'm supposed to know more than I knew when I was 16 about certain things. The Godhead, for example, and I've studied books, I've read books, I've gone through trainings and all these things. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, I just sit back and I think, man, this is still so confusing. Because I I am trying to approach it from an intellectual standpoint. And how could I, I'll just be honest with you, how could I go over and knock on my neighbor's door? Do you know who Jesus is? Did you know that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh? And I expect them to say, no, I didn't know that. Can you explain to me how you know that? Maybe I can, maybe I can't. We'll find out. (laughs) But I'm at this stage where I want an understanding of God. You remember a few weeks ago when we had these individuals up here, Brother Santos, Brother Rodriguez, and the others, and they said oftentimes they start by saying, let me tell you who God is. Let me explain to you who God is. We'll just walk through Scripture. And do those things. So, as I was reading here in John chapter 14, I saw some familiar things that I can relate to, to what his disciples dealt with. Because these were guys that day in and day out walked with Jesus for over three years. And, I mean, if they had that much unfettered access, unrestricted access to Jesus, and still had questions, well, that makes me feel a little bit better, because I have questions, and they have questions, but let's, we're going to look at this, John chapter 14, so he's here with his disciples, 
John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So he's just, Jesus is trying to talk on a common sense level to his men. Guys, I've been with you up to a certain point in a certain way, but it's getting ready to change. We're going to go through a transition here. And I'm trying to let you know before the transition happens that I know all about the transition and I'm going to help you with it. Okay? This is, this, this is all he's saying. I'm going somewhere and it, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it just makes sense that if I go to prepare a place for you that I would come back and get you and take you there. Right? I wouldn't tell my kids, man, we are going to have a great dinner tonight. You just go downstairs I'm going to make you some hamburgers, some hot dogs, grill it just the way you want, get some chips, all the good stuff that you like. I'm preparing that dinner for you. Now, you just go play. I'll come and get you when it's done. Okay, the I'll come and get you when it's done part is the same thing that Jesus is saying here. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will return and get you when I've prepared it. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Verse 4. And whither I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. So he's, he's saying two different things. I, you know where I'm going and you know how I'm going to get where I'm going. Is this just Jesus being overconfident in the knowledge of his disciples? <laughs> Maybe. Boys, I'm going somewhere, and I don't even have to tell you where I'm going because you know where I'm going. And I don't even have to tell you how I'm going to get there because you know how I'm going to get there. Well, one of them pipes up. This would be me in the class asking this question. I'm afraid everybody else around here knows everything that I don't know. And I don't... When I was in Bible quizzing... Oh, just bear with me for a second. We had one friend. He affectionately earned the nickname Three Page. Because he was always three pages behind where the rest of us were. I didn't give him that. That was the coach that gave him that. But so Thomas says here, verse five, Lord, maybe they know. Maybe half of them know. At least one of us doesn't know because it's me. I'm going to ask. We know not whither thou goest. And how can we know? If I don't know where you're going, how do I know how you're going to get there? Basically, that's what he's saying. All this stuff, Jesus, right over my head. How can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. Thomas, class, listen up. I am the way. 
you know the way because you know me. I am, one translation calls it the road. I am the road. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, you know, and the road I'm taking, you know. How do we know the road? I am the road. I'm the path. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In the literary world, we call that foreshadowing. Because he's saying, where I'm going, you're going to go. And a little side note, you're going to go to the Father. No man goes to the Father unless he gets on this road, my road. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 7, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. Who's he saying this to? He's saying this to Thomas, right? If you had known me, you would have known my father. Where's the, uh, Jesus, I didn't ask anything about the father. Thomas didn't ask anything about the father. All he said was, we want to keep up with you, but we can't. That's all he said. We want to know where you're going, but we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way you're going. And Jesus introduces this element of the father. I am going to the Father, and I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to take you back with me to the Father. You should have known my Father also. From henceforth, you know him and have seen him. One translation says you've seen him with discernment. So as Jesus is sitting there with the guys... All along, he's thinking, guys, those of you that have discernment, those of you that are looking at me with discernment, you're seeing the Father. And just so Thomas doesn't feel bad, another one asks another question. Philip. (laughs) Thomas is, we want to know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. Philip says, okay, Lord, you want to talk about the Father? Let's talk about the Father. Call him down here. That's what he says. Next verse. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. All this mess that you're talking about, all this 201 and 301 and 401 advanced level classes that you're talking about, Some of us, like Thomas and me, we don't really care about the advanced level stuff. We just want to know where you're going, and we just want to know who the Father is. Can I get a witness? (laughs) We just want to know where you're going, and we just want to know who you are. Why you started talking about the Father. And it sufficeth us. Really, what he's saying is that's enough for me to know. Just Show me who you are. Just tell me where you're going. That's all I care about. So so Thomas got his little swat. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. You know me. You know the way because you know me. So Philip's going to get his. Next verse. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, 
and yet hast thou not known me? Philip. Now, we don't speak Greek in this room, most of us, we're not reading Greek in this room, but every time he says, no, have you not known me? That doesn't mean no as in, can you pick me out of a crowd? Like if one person came in here and I said, hey, stop right there. Do you know who Ethan Hart is? Yeah, I know who Ethan Hart is. He's the one sitting right. Okay, that's not the kind of knowing that Jesus is talking to his disciples about. Have I been so long with you, Philip, and you have not experienced me in who I am? You have not gathered a full picture of who I am. He that hath seen me, again, with discernment. I think this is Weiss translation. This adds in with discernment part. He that hath seen me with discernment. hath seen the Father. Don't you hate it when your stuff gets called out in front of everybody? Because what Jesus says is, Philip, you're not looking at me with discernment. You're not. You don't know who I am because you're looking at me. You're saying, Lord, show us the Father. And I'm saying, if you're looking at me with discernment, you are seeing the Father. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? Don't get lost. I know you've heard this verse before. I've heard this verse before. But watch what Jesus is really trying to get across to these guys that are brave enough to fess up and say, I got a question. I don't know. Here's what he tries to get across to them. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? We're not going to talk about what you're looking at anymore. We're going to talk about what you believe. Philip, after three years, you're almost ready to graduate after three years. Let's talk about what you believe. Do you believe that I am in the Father? Well, I don't know. That's kind of weird because I think the Father's in heaven. That's a Caleb answer right there. <laughs> How am I supposed to believe that you're in the Father if I believe the Father's up there and you're right here? Okay, well, then what's the next part? Or do you believe that the Father is in me? If you study oneness, by, oneness books enough, you'll see the common, I guess, uh, wording or this phrase is we call it the dual nature of Christ. Anybody ever heard that phrase before, the dual nature of Christ? Really what that means, broken down, is he has two natures. He has a human nature and he has a God nature, or we call that the deity, okay, the God part of him. He's got a dual nature. Now, without spending the rest of the night trying to explain that and give you scripture and verse for it, go and look that up on your own after. But dual nature, all of this stuff really 
it gets a little bit easier, honestly, to understand and comprehend when you start thinking of this as this man who's sitting there having this conversation with his disciples is God and he is a man. The dual nature. Okay? So now he's trying to explain this dual nature or just give them at least a, a, a taste of it. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? If that's too hard for you to comprehend, if you still think that the Father just dwells in heaven and I'm here in the room with you, then let's think about the last three years. What's happened in the last three years? What's some of the works that you've seen me do in the last three years? Philip, do you remember when we were walking along the side of the road and that lady came and touched the hem of my garment and she was healed that moment? That wasn't me. That wasn't my magic robe. That was the Father in me. The words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. That's the key right there. The Father that dwelleth in me. See, up to this point, these guys hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? None of the people that they came in contact with, they weren't getting the Holy Ghost at this point. So Jesus, the man was the only example they had seen of someone filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? He was the one that they were looking at. So he's trying to say from this very point, guys, the Father dwells in me. Believest thou not? I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. Verse 11. Believe me. One more time. For those sitting in the back of the room, believe me that I am in the Father. And the, I like this. I think it was New Living Translation that says, just believe. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe for the work's sake, the things that we've seen, the things you've witnessed from me. Verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. If we can just get past this one little hurdle that you're trying to get me to show you the Father, you're trying to get me to pull a rabbit out of my hat, you're trying to get me to write it all down for you so you can read it and study it and recite it. If you just believe, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Next verse. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, I'm not going to try to dwell and give you another lesson on the name, okay? That's another lesson for another night. But Jesus says, if you ask it in my name, the 
That will I do. Really, if you ask in my name, in this whole because I go to the Father part and the works you're going to do because I go to my Father, if I'm gone and you're still calling on my name, asking in my name, and I'm nowhere around, you know what that does? That shows your belief, your faith, that the Son may be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Because I don't, if I'm Thomas, if I'm Philip, I'm going to trust it. I'll get that Father part later. And I'm just trying to hold on to this guy as long as I can and gather as much as I can and, and one day believe that the father-son stuff is going to make sense. The, the I in my father and father in me stuff is going to make sense. When I'm gone, see, we haven't even got to the comforter part yet, but that's in this chapter. Jesus is telling them, when I'm gone, whatever you ask in my name, Think about the last three years. Think about the time a sick person came up to me and needed healing, and I healed them. And then when I'm gone, a sick person comes up to you, and they need a healing, and you ask it in my name. What's going to happen? The Father is going to be glorified in the Son. Glorify. We're going to see an example of the Father's power by what happens by when we call on the name of the Son. And I say in Jesus' name, when that work happens, the Father is glorified in the Son. We see... The healing that he gave to the woman, it wasn't his magic robe. It was the power of the Father, God in him. When I call on Jesus' name and I see a healing, I'm seeing the power of God, the Father, at work through Jesus' name. So when I was about 12 years old, it was the first time I experienced any sort of real loss in my life. It was when my grandfather died. And I, right around that same time, I had also committed this passage of verse to memory through Bible quizzing. And I could answer questions front and back. I could quote, I could tell you the three different verses that all have the word comforter in them. Tell you, no, this is, I can quote John 10, 30, I am my father are one, just like I taught my boys at youth camp last week. So I could quote these things. But even as 12 years old, I got to get a little glimpse of the power of the scripture. Because my grandfather passed away. And really, I think it's through a work of the Lord. I needed a comforter. I have my mom. I have my dad. I still had my grandma, had all those cousins. I had all, everything except just that one man was gone. But the Lord said, let me show you what loss is like. Let me show you what it feels like to need a comforter. And my mind runs to John chapter 14. 
And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I know you said this to your disciples. And I know that you said you had to leave and that you wouldn't leave them comfortless and that you would send another comforter to them. And that was you. And you sent it in your name. And I'm trying to piece all these different things together through Bible quizzing, through memory verses, and then through real life experience. And as I'm 12 years old, after the funeral, and that's really when the, the grief part of it hit me, the Lord did a work in my, in my life. And he showed me, Scripture is true. Because in this moment that you need a comforter, I have been sent to you. I am the comforter. Just like he tells his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. And just like he tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back to you. It's real. Now think about just for a second. How many people do you know that need a comforter? I would dare say all of them. Whether, whether you know that aspect of their need or not. If I, if I couldn't even make it 12, past 12 years and I had a really good life. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to stand up and say that. I had a really good life and upbringing. I could make it 12 years and then experience loss and know, okay, I had to have a comforter. It shouldn't take me long to think, okay, he needs a comforter. She needs a comforter. From whatever aspect of life they've gone through. Let's pray. Jesus, God, you are the comforter. You are the Father. You are glorified in the Son. Jesus, your name has all power. Jesus, all that we need, we find it in you, God. Jesus, I pray right now that we would have faith to believe, God, that whatsoever things we ask, in your name. Whatsoever things we ask in your name, God. Jesus, your spirit is there to quicken. Your spirit is there to work with power and with anointing. Jesus, all things we can find in you. Would you stand with me and pray? Jesus, in your name. God, in your name, I pray that you would be a comforter right now. Jesus, I pray for the souls that are hurting. Jesus, for the lives that are hurting or that have missing parts. Jesus, I pray you would reveal yourself as the comforter right now. Jesus, we believe, like the scripture says, greater works we can do through you. We believe it, God. We're praying and believing tonight. Yandoloro mosakata haye yararakahai Yaroro mosata haye yaralakahaye In the name of Jesus Father you're here reaching out right now Your spirit is here reaching out right now God I believe in your spirit God I believe in the word of God I believe that what the Bible says is true God even if I can't understand it all or explain it all, I believe, God. Just like your scripture says, I believe. 
In the name of Jesus. 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 If you need a comforter tonight, I want to ask you to come. I want to open this altar to you. The Spirit of the Lord is here right now. Come on, if you're needing a comforter, I'm asking you to come. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we wait upon you, Father. We wait upon you. You are our comforter, Lord. You supply the need of the heart, the soul, the mind, and the spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, there's others. There's others. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, he's comfort to the mind, comfort to the heart, comfort to the soul, comfort to your spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you are the comforter. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Iramando re ki atahaye. Ilamando re ki amando lo sitahaya. Ilo kosi amande le ki amando lo koseye. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you will not leave us comfortless. You will come to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, praise God while they're praying. Jesus name it's uh, the Holy Ghost is really wanting us to wanting to put this in our spirit if you were here Sunday you're here again tonight you're hearing the Lord trying to put this in our spirit and again because of how he's wanting to not only heal us and work in us, but also use us. Where we read in John 14, where we started, he said, I go. I go to prepare a place. But the flowers walked through that. Lord, we don't know where you're going. And I don't know if you caught that there when he got in a little, if you go back to maybe it was verse 12, I think. Look at the end of that verse. 
if they weren't catching it before, they should have caught it right there. He told them where he was going. I'm going to the Father. But if you go back to verse 1 and 2, when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he did not say, I go to prepare a place for you so that I can bring you to that place. It's not what he said. Go back to verse 1 and 2 there. Let's try verse 1. Verse 2. I go to verse 3. Watch what he says. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. Not to take you there. But to receive you. Where? Unto myself. Where was he going? He was going to the Father. What was he saying? He's saying, I'm going away and my purpose is so then I can come back. And the pace I'm preparing is a way that you can abide with the Father that you could never abide with the Father before. How is it going to be? It's going to be the same way you've seen me abiding in the Father and the Father abiding in me. I'm preparing. I'm making a way. You read a little further. He says, it's expedient for you that I go away. What was he preparing? He was preparing the outpouring of his spirit. This was not speaking about him going and preparing heaven. We've taught that. That's not what the scripture says. This is not heaven. It was preparing a way for us to be received into the Father. That's what he prepared. On the day of Pentecost, this was fulfilled. He received them unto himself. That's why in Acts chapter 4, verse 18 or 19, somewhere in there, you know that passage of Scripture, many of you, talks about the times of refreshing that will come. And he says, and he will send unto you. You know what it says he'll send to you? It says he will send unto you Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Comforter. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. Well, I thought he said he'd send Jesus Christ. Well, John 14, he said, the Father's going to send the Comforter in my name. That's why in Acts 4 and 18 or 19, somewhere in there, wherever that is, he could say, the times of refreshing will come, and he'll send unto you Jesus Christ. This baptism of the gift of the Holy Ghost is the indwelling spirit of the Father. Matthew 5 and 16, and I think we're done. Why is he wanting us to get this into our spirit and working in our life? I hope that's the right verse, Brother Jeremiah. Matthew 5 and 16. Yes, watch this. Let your light so shine before men. He's talking to us. Why? That they may see. What are they supposed to see? Your what? Your good what? Works. Who, who did Jesus say was doing all the work? The Father in me. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what's that going to cause them to do? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why is he wanting us to get this into our spirit? So it's more than just, well, I got the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. No, no. I have the promise of the Father. I have received the promise of the Father. Not promise from the Father. Promise of the Father. 
And it's in me. The indwelling Spirit of God is in me. And so now the works that He did, greater works than these, shall you do. Who's doing the work? The Father is doing the work through us. And because of that, the works we do, the Father's glorified. When the Lord, by His Spirit, works through Sister Brittany and Brother Joey and whomever else He uses to heal John Kay of his cancer and bring revelation of the mighty God in Christ, it's that the Father would be glorified through them. When He's using Sister Priscilla in school, in the classroom with Johnny and others, it's that the Father would be glorified through them. You and I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter in us, that works would be done through us. That works would be done through us. And the Father would be glorified. The Father would be glorified. Would you reach to Him right now with me? Come on. Lord, we'll receive of Your Word. We receive of Your Word. Of this Your promise. I pray the quickening of Your Spirit, Lord. As we walk from this place to see the manifestation of your word through our lives for your glory, Father. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How soon does he want to do this? Now. 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 We talked Sunday morning briefly about this thread that the Lord's been leading us on of separating ourselves unto Him. Repentance of some things, cleaning out, separation unto Him. Do you understand the moment that we begin that process? He doesn't wait till we get it all done and all figured out and everything. But the moment we turn in repentance, He begins to act. That's His nature. That's His nature. In the book of Haggai, as soon as they begin to build the temple, he got onto them because they weren't building the temple. They were building their own little things. They were busy building their houses. As soon as they repented and began to build the temple, he immediately said, okay, now I'm going to bless you. The Lord's ready to work through the body as we separate unto him and yield to his spirit. Amen? He's ready now. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.